Mark 10, starting in verse 46. Mark 10, 46. Listen to God's word. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Father, as we look at these words this morning, we pray your Holy Spirit would teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a lesson that I learned early on when I became an uncle when I was playing with my little nieces and nephews and maybe they'd fall, stumble, and scrape their knee and begin crying. Uh, it didn't matter how tightly I held them in my arms, how much I spoke words of comfort to them, there was only one name that they would cry out when they were hurt. Uh, can you guess what that name was? Mommy! I want mommy! It didn't matter how tightly I held. It didn't matter I was their uncle and I was there to protect them. They had their trust in one name alone, the name of mommy. Uh, there is power in names. When we hear certain names, they have the power to conjure up all sorts of feelings within us. We put our trust in all sorts of different names for security and satisfaction in life. But there is a name that believers love above all other names, the name of Jesus. John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, when he penned one of his hymns, he talked about the power that is contained in Jesus' name. When he penned the words, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and casts away all fear. 
It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast. Tis manna to the hungry soul and to the weary rest. There is power in the name of Jesus. And this account that we're looking at this morning is packed full of the name of Jesus and the power that there is in calling upon it. In fact, this account begins with just one man crying out the name of Jesus, and it ends with a whole multitude calling out and crying out the name of Jesus. And what we see this morning in this account is that the name of Jesus is the name that meets all need. Jesus is the name that meets all need. And through Bartimaeus and through the crowd that is following Jesus here in this account, we are going to be shown what relationship we have to that name that meets all need. Now, we, we have to get our bearings uh, and remind ourselves of where we are in this gospel. As if you remember last week, uh, we took a turning point in this gospel where Jesus is now determined Uh, determined to go to Jerusalem to uh, suffer and die and to secure salvation for us through uh, the work of redemption that he is about to undergo in Jerusalem. And here in this account, he's passing through Jericho and we see that a great crowd is following with him. Now, most likely this crowd was a crowd of fellow Jewish people who were making their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover that was coming in just a few days time. Of course, the Passover being that great memorial celebration feast, uh, memorializing what God had done in and through his people in the book of Exodus. And you can imagine that day as they were journeying along the road to Jerusalem, there were murmurs, there were rumors going throughout the crowd. You would have heard the Jewish people saying to one another, hey, hey, did you hear? Did you hear that Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth is with us? He's, he's traveling to Jerusalem with us today. He's in among our crowd. And it would have been whispered throughout that Jesus was in their midst. And despite all that murmuring and whispering, above all that noise, at some point a voice begins not whispering, but crying at the top of his lungs the name of Jesus. Who was it? We see in verse 46, his name was Bartimaeus. Verse 46 tells us that Bartimaeus was a blind man. He was blind before the days of handicap accessibility. He was blind before the days of support groups and social services that would have come along to help people with such uh, disabilities as Bartimaeus had. In fact, Bartimaeus' blindness had reduced him to the point of being a beggar on the street. He had lived his entire life in the dark, completely at the mercy of others' compassion to him. And it just so happened on this day, he happened to be begging on the street that Jesus was passing by. And what happens? Bartimaeus knew his need, and he knew the name. And he stops begging for mercy from the crowd and directs all of his attention to just one. Take a look at verse 47. Verse 47, he cries out, when he heard that it was Jesus, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
first thing about this name that we see is in our need, we must trust in Jesus' name. In our need, we must trust in Jesus' name. As I've sat with Bartimaeus this week in study, I have been challenged by his simple and incredible faith in the name of Jesus. Though his eyes, his physical eyes were blind, it is clear that the eyes of his heart had 20-20 vision to see by faith who Jesus was. And he had placed his trust in this name. Uh, I, I want us to even see uh, how, how, he, how he refers to Jesus. Take a look at verse 47 again. How was the crowd referring to Jesus? They were referring to him as Jesus of Nazareth, the derogatory term for Jesus. That was the crowd's way of saying, oh, that's Jesus, Just the, he's the country bumpkin boy. He's that rabbi who came from the nowhere town of Nazareth. He's just that average rabbi. But when Bartimaeus hears Jesus, how does he call out to Jesus? Verse 47, he calls him Jesus, not of Nazareth, Jesus, son of David. Not the country bumpkin, but the royal divine king. Bartimaeus never once had the privilege of seeing with his eyes Jesus touch lepers and heal them. Jesus never saw with his eyes, Jesus called Lazarus, uh, Bartimaeus never saw with his eyes, Jesus called Lazarus up from the grave, but he'd heard the word about Jesus, and he placed his faith in that word. With the eyes of his heart, Bartimaeus saw clearly who Jesus was. This was none other than the promised son of David that we read about here in Jeremiah 33 in our scripture reading, that God had a plan to bring the Messiah in through the Davidic line, a son of David who would come to reign over the kingdom of God, a king in whom we could find mercy. And Bartimaeus trusts that name to give him mercy. Jesus tells us how he blesses faith that has not seen but believes. Uh, in John, when he talks uh, to Thomas, remember doubting Thomas, he said, I won't believe unless I can put my finger in the wound. And what did Jesus say to Thomas in John 20, 29? Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Peter, writing in 1 Peter 1, 8, said, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. In our need, like Bartimaeus, we must trust in Jesus' name. Now, is the crowd pleased with the ruckus that Bartimaeus is creating? Unfortunately, he gets a lot of pushback. If you take a look at verse 48, verse 48, it says, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Uh, the crowd was treating him much, unfortunately, like beggars always get treated, with contempt and with ridicule. We're not sure why. Uh, maybe they just thought he was a nuisance. Maybe they thought it was inappropriate for him to be calling Jesus the son of David. Or maybe they thought that Bartimaeus was asking for a handout. Maybe they thought he was asking Jesus for money, and they thought that was a very inappropriate request to make. Whatever the case, 
He was receiving absolute opposition, and he was being told to be quiet. Lesson number two, we must persevere in Jesus' name. Despite the opposition, is Bartimaeus hindered at all in his calling out to Jesus? I love this. Verse 48 again. The crowd rebuking him, telling him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. He just turns the volume up, and he doesn't change his request at all. He keeps crying out the same thing. Son of David, have mercy on me. Think about all that Bartimaeus is persevering through in this moment. He's persevering through his desperation, knowing that here is finally one person who could heal him from the blindness that has plagued him for all his life, and he will persevere with this name until he gets his eyesight back. He's persevering through his desperation. He's persevering through his situation. How does he know in his blindness as he sits on the street whether Jesus is a mile down the road uh, or whether Jesus is already a mile past him and is already passed by? But he is going to persevere in calling the name. And he's persevering, of course, through the opposition, through all who are telling him it is futile to cry out this name of Jesus. Maybe some of us here this morning are a bit like Bartimaeus. In your desperation, you've been crying out to Jesus for a long time, and you're getting weary. You're tempted to maybe stop crawling out. Maybe some of you, your situation in life right now, you think to yourself, maybe there's no hope. Maybe Jesus has passed me by already. Others of us here have family, have friends and coworkers who would rather us just shut up when it comes to our faith in the Lord Jesus. What is the call? Like Bartimaeus, we have to turn the volume of our heart's cry up until everything else gets tuned out. I have a hunch, I can't prove it in the text, but I just have a hunch. Could it be that Jesus actually heard Bartimaeus the very first time that he cried out his name? Could it be that Jesus heard him the very first time and he is choosing to let him call out just a few times? Could it be that like God did with Jacob, Jesus is teaching Bartimaeus to persevere and wrestle with him in faith? Isn't that what Jesus so often does with us in our lives? Teach us to persevere with him. He taught us that in the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18. You know the story. The old widow who goes to the judge and time and time again, she's just pleading persistently that she might get justice from her adversary. And I love the ending of the story. What does the judge say? Eventually, he just gets worn down. He's weary and he essentially says, this woman, I want to get her off my hands. I'm just going to get give her what she wants so that she will go away. And the whole point of the parable is Jesus teaching us to be persistent with the Lord, persistent in calling upon him until we receive the blessing that we ask of him. He invites us to persevere with him. But we have to be careful because perseverance does not equal pushiness. I was challenged, I never saw this detail before, 
But notice, Bartimaeus, though he is being persevering, though he is being persistent, he is not being belligerent and he is not being obnoxious. In fact, he stays seated where he is the entire time that he is calling. He doesn't push his way through the crowd. He doesn't try to make his way to Jesus. He just sits. Take a look at verse 49. In verse 49, we realize that he does not get up until Jesus calls him. And only once Jesus answers his request does he actually get up and come to him. What an example in Bartimaeus of being persevering, being persistent, and yet all the while waiting humbly on the Lord. Waiting until his time, waiting until his answer. Now, his perseverance pays off. Jesus, in verse 49, stops and tells the crowd, call him. He takes off his cloak and he goes. It says he sprung up and came to Jesus. Now, Jesus, in verse 51, does something very, very interesting. He asks him a question. In verse 51, Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Wasn't the answer to that question obvious? Just by looking at Bartimaeus, Jesus would have been able to tell by the cloudiness of his eyes that Bartimaeus was seeking for his blindness to be healed and for his eyesight to be restored. Jesus knows everything about us. Psalm 139, he knows when we get up. He knows when we, when, we, when we lie down. He discerns our thoughts from afar. He knows words in our mouth before we ever say them. He knows us through and through. So why ask the question? Lesson number three, we must be vulnerable when calling Jesus' name. What is Jesus doing here in asking Bartimaeus the question? He is leading Bartimaeus to be humble enough to confess his need to the Lord, to be vulnerable enough to open up his heart to him, to say, here is my need, Lord. Here is what I need from you. Jesus invites us to open up to him. He comes to us saying, what do you want me to do for you? The book of James, James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3 tells us, we do not have because we don't ask. In the pride of our hearts, our hearts are silly, our hearts are fickle, our hearts are feeble. Many times we're prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. In the pride of our hearts, we know our need, and yet oftentimes we will not bring it to the Lord in honest, open confession and honest, open humility. Too often we're like that frustrated little kid who's trying to do a task on their own and the more they do it and the more they fail they're just frustrated and frustrated and frustrated and the adult comes by and says would you like some help and what do they say no me do me do me do that is it's all too often how we act towards the lord jesus asked the question what do you want me to do for you bartimaeus replies lord let me recover my sight. His faith, his perseverance, his vulnerability is honored 
in verse 52, Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. Now just imagine all of the opportunities Bartimaeus now has before him, all the opportunities now that he, he has his eyesight, the thing that he has gone through life without for, for, for all of his lifetime, and now for the first time he sees the world as it is, all the adventures he could go, all the new experiences he could see, all the locations he could have run to to go and see. And Jesus even tells him, go your way, your eyesight is given. All the opportunities Bartimaeus has before him, and what does he do? He decides he's not going to go and check out the world. He's not going to go his way, as Jesus says. But take a look at verse 52. Rather, he is going to go Jesus' way. It says he followed Jesus on the way. All the things that he could have gone and seen. But what happens when you turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face? The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lesson number four, we must be devoted to Jesus' name. We must be devoted to Jesus' name. Isn't it too often the case that while we are still in need, our trust is strong in Jesus? Our perseverance is strong with Jesus. Our vulnerability is strong. And then once he has given us the need that we have so long waited for, all of a sudden, all of our trust begins to wane. All of our perseverance begins to wane. All of our vulnerability begins to wane. And it turns out that really we were more interested in the gift than in the giver. Bartimaeus teaches us it is worth it to be devoted to Jesus' name even after he has given what we need. He realizes this is no ordinary man who has saved him. This is the son of David. This is the Lord of his life who he must be submitted to and who he must follow all the way. And sure enough, he follows him all the way to Jerusalem. Last lesson as Jesus walks into Jerusalem is that we must worship we must worship Jesus' name. Now, as we look at chapter 11, verses 1 through 7, uh, we might be tempted to think, man, that is a lot of trouble over a donkey. Um, if you are uh, new to the Bible, you may have been confused as we were reading this text about why are we going on about all these details about this colt and this donkey and, and what is happening. It actually made me think, have you guys ever seen the movie Elf, uh, the Christmas movie? Oh, not enough hands. Okay, good, good. Woo! I'm among a sanctified group. That's good. That's good. Uh, do you remember the, the author that they bring in who's like the amazing children's author? And he, he makes all these, uh, all these demands if he's going to come into their presence. He says, uh, I, want a, I want an S500 to pick me up and the interior of that car better be 71 degrees and 71 degrees exactly. Uh, he's very finicky and picky about how he travels. Is that what Jesus is doing here? Is he being finicky about how he's going to ride into Jerusalem? No. Why all this concern and detail over this donkey in verses 1 through 7? Jesus is doing something intentional here because for the first time in his ministry, he is going to go public. He is going to be very clear about his identity, that he is indeed the 
royal son of David that was promised in the Old Testament. Up to this point in the gospel, when he heals folks, he says, hey, keep it to yourself. Don't tell anybody. He tries not to follow, uh, have great followings. And now at this point, everything is changed. He is going public. And what he is doing through the detail of this donkey is he is making sure to fulfill a particular Old Testament prophecy located in Zechariah 9.9. In Zechariah 9.9, we read these words uh, anticipated of when the, the royal king would come into the kingdom. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt. The foal of a donkey. This passage teaching us to anticipate that Jesus would be the Lord. He would be the righteous one. He would be the one who would save. He would be the humble king. He would come in riding on a donkey. A donkey was the chosen mode of transportation for King David. After David, the kings of Israel began riding horses. Jesus is making it very clear. I am the one that you were told to anticipate. I am the king riding into my capital city and I am coming humble and mighty to save. And the people respond as only they should have responded. They respond in worship and in reverence because the king has come. Take a look at verse nine, excuse me, verse eight. Verse 8, many spread their cloaks on the road. Others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. They're giving him the royal treatment. And as he comes in, they are worshiping, verse 9, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A direct quote of Psalm 118, 25, and 26. Hosanna means, save us, O Lord. That is what Hosanna means. Save us, O Lord, we pray. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. They knew their need, salvation. And they knew the name, the son of David. And they cry out to that name for salvation. And in walks Jesus, humble, set apart, sitting on a donkey that was never used for worldly use, but set apart for his humble, kingly use to come into his kingdom and serve his people. In just a matter of days, he will take on the cross. He will suffer in your place. He will hang and die for your sin. He will drink the wrath of God for you. And he will rise again from the dead as the conquering king to defeat the enemies that we could never conquer ourselves, sin, death, and Satan, so that through faith in his name, we might have newness of life and eternal hope through him. He is Jesus the one who comes in power. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear, the name 
that meets all need. As Acts 4.12 tells us, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We come only through this name, the name that meets all need. So Grace Church, this is the name that we must trust in. This is the name that we must persevere in. This is the name we must be vulnerable with. This is the name we must be devoted to. This is the name alone that we give our worship and allegiance to. Jesus, the name that meets all need. Would you pray with me?